How is the word to be read and heard that it may become effectual to salvation? Here's the answer. That the word may become effectual to salvation, the hearers of the word must, and, and now follow four verbs, must attend thereunto with diligence, preparation, and prayer, receive it with faith and love, lay it up in their hearts, and practice it in their lives. So how is the word to be read and heard so that it will lead us to salvation? The answer is attend unto it, receive it, lay it up, and practice it. That's the short answer. All right. So we're going to look at some of those verbs and some of the ways that those verbs are supposed to be done. That'll be the whole lesson. Question one, what does it mean to attend to the word? This is a bit of old-fashioned language, but it simply means to pay attention. We attend the word when we pay attention. So it's a directing of the mind and the other faculties of attention to it. Originally, the word attend meant to stretch. So this isn't passive listening that uh, the catechism is calling us to. It is asking for the engagement of our whole souls, our eyes, our ears, our judgment, our conscience, etc. So to attend to the word is to apply ourselves with energy and concentration. Now, we, we don't, again, typically use the word that way. We use the word attend to mean that our bodies are physically present that they're at a certain location. So we could literally say he attended church even though he slept all the way through. Right? His body was there. The fact that his mind was turned off, we still call that attending church. But that's not what the catechism means at all. To attend to the read and preached word is more than to be merely bodily present. It is to be alertly listening and working hard mentally. So it's to give an earnest direction of the mind to the word as it's read and as it's preached. And brothers and sisters, let me commend you. I believe in general you do this well. Uh, we read more of the word of God than any other church I know. We don't read much of the word of God compared to the church in the past. But it's clear that you make an attempt to hear the read word and the preached word, to attend to it in this sense. So it's focus. <laughs> to attend is to focus. And in this answer, the, the writers are only um, requiring what the Bible requires. This is our scriptural duty. This is, this is how we come to the knowledge of the truth when the Holy Spirit blesses it. Hebrews 2.1, we must pay more careful attention to what we have heard. Or Luke 8.18, Jesus says to the saved and the lost, take heed how you hear. That is, consider carefully how you listen to the word of God. All right. So that's what attending means. It means to pay attention. It means to focus. Question two, how do we attend with diligence? 
The short answer is by taking every opportunity to hear the Word of God read and preached or to read the Word of God. By taking every opportunity. So we ought to not only focus our minds, but we ought to regularly focus our minds on the Word of God. To attend with diligence doesn't mean going to church twice a year. It doesn't mean reading your Bible once a month. No, attending is focusing with real regularity. Whether this is public worship, family worship, a personal worship, or, or Bible, private Bible study, um, there are so many verses in Scripture that tell us that we will be blessed if we will attend with diligence to these things. Proverbs 8, 34 and 35. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting in my doorway. This is wisdom speaking. Whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. So we ought not to forget or ignore or despise personal and public Bible reading and the physical attendance as well as the mental attendance to um, the word publicly read and preached. Or think about Jesus's day as it was recorded in Luke 19.48. Every day he was teaching in the temple. And there it says, all the people hung on his words. You see, there's diligence daily and there's focus, there's attendance. They hung on his words. They were attentive to hear. Or Acts 17.11, the Bereans were of a more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness, and they didn't just stop there, and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, why should this be, you know, if if, if this was the whole answer, this would be very valuable. There's more we'll say in these few moments, but This is so important because this is the main business of your life. To attend to the Word of God is, from one perspective, the the main business of your life. It is the foundation of glorifying God. I mean, what does Jesus say? Matthew 4.4, man does not live on bread alone. but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All of the ordinary things in our life, how how do those things get consecrated? How do they get used properly? Well, according to 1 Timothy 4, 1-5, they're consecrated by the word. In Luke 8, verse 21, Jesus says, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word, and put it into practice. Luke 11, 27 and 28, a woman calls out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And Jesus replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. 
In other words, Jesus is teaching here that there is something even more fundamental than food, than physical life, than the closest biological, loving family relationships. It's the Word of God and what it establishes in our lives. The Word defines and undergirds the most necessary, the greatest, and the most mundane things in life. And, of course, it's the foundational means of getting the greatest blessing that you can receive in your life, eternal life with God. So we need to be addicted, devoted, to use Acts 2 language, or diligent, to use this language, to the Word of God. All right? Next question. Is preparation necessary to profit from the Word? If we attend, and we attend frequently, is there something else I need to do? Yes, you need to prepare. There are on record whole sermon series on this topic. Let me summarize just three things. Before we hear the word of God with spiritual profit, it will help to prepare to approach it rightly. And I'm speaking about mental or spiritual preparation. Here are three things that you can do before you come to church, before you read your Bible, before you do the kinds of things that we've been talking about. First, rehearse the greatness and holiness of God whose word we're about to hear. Think of the example of Cornelius. He's a wonderful example. This is found in Acts 10, right? He's a God-fearing man, it says. So we aren't surprised to hear Cornelius say, Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. You see, he was thoughtfully approaching this situation with reverence for God and his word. He wasn't waltzing in, distracted, and, oh, oh, yeah, we're going to read from a book. No. He was coming into the presence of God and hearing God speak through these men. That's what happens when we approach the Bible. All right? Isaiah 66, 2. This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. We are coming to hear a great king speak. The Society of Friends, back in the 1600s, were derisively called Quakers because they shook as the spirit came upon them, or so they said. What the Bible advocates is a shaking, is an awestruck reverence for the Word of God. Hebrews 12.25 tells us that God is speaking, so what else can we do but tremble? So that's the first. Rehearse the greatness and holiness of God whose word we're about to hear. Secondly, remove worldly cares and sins from our minds and souls. You know, one of the reasons the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, is such a delight is because we have God's gracious command to put these kinds of things aside and draw near to him through his word. 
And it's a good practice to always, as it were, take a few seconds, take a moment, take a few minutes if we need to, and consciously think about what we're about to do and put off the concerns that have been occupying our minds and especially the sins. Some of you may practice something like I occasionally do. If I just can't get something out of my mind, especially when I'm praying, I finally just, I stop praying, I write it down, because then I know I can forget about it. Right? It's just a kind of a dumb technique, and there may be better ways of doing it, but it's a way to put it out of the mind so I can focus on God. We need to do the same kind of thing when we come to the Word. All right? And then thirdly, <clears throat> we need to expect, we need to long for grace through the word of God. Think of 1 Peter 2 too. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. The Bible is pure, healthy teaching. When we drink it in, it gives us spiritual nourishment. It gives us grace. When someone has been birthed by the word of God, 1 Peter 1.23, then the apostle says, well, then crave more of this nourishing food. So do you want more grace, more righteousness, more power over sin, more spiritual muscle? Then prepare your hearts to expect nourishment from the word. All right? Remember, the ordinance of reading and preaching the word of God is for our salvation. And so we have every right to expect that God has equipped his word and gives us his spirit so that through it, we actually are built up unto salvation. Question four. How should we pray in regard to the word, right? We're supposed to attend with diligence, attend with preparation, attend with prayer. Well, how should we pray? May I just again quickly say, you should pray for your teachers and readers. You, you should pray for the Spirit, and you should pray for yourself. Over and over again, Paul commands his readers to pray for him. 2 Thessalonians 3.1 Brothers, pray for us that the, Lord, that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. Right? Why? Well, because the preacher's gift and works are a means that God uses to save as he brings the word of God. Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. Pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. How does a man get that? boldness. How does the word become effective? Well, that's why we also pray for the Spirit. Not that the Spirit would get better or receive something he doesn't already have, but that we might receive the Spirit, that he might be at work. Right? Boldness, understanding, life, all comes from the Holy Spirit. So if we want that joined with the word and we must have that joined with the word if we're going to be uh, helped in any way 
then we pray for the Spirit. This is why I always close the pastoral prayer with a request for the help of the Holy Spirit. It's the last thing I do immediately before we read the Word of God and have it preached. And of course, we should pray for ourselves. Psalm 119 is a wonderful chapter <clears throat> to go through and find all of the different ways you can pray for yourself in regard to the word. Things like, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Teach me your law. Things like that. Question five, should the word be received in faith? Oh, I hope the children just kind of went, well, duh, of course. Yes. Should the word be received in faith? Yes. Only then does it benefit us. Again, Hebrews 4.2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The Galatians, on the other hand, or at least many of them, are described as having believed what they heard, and so they received the Spirit and salvation. You see, without faith, hearing the word does no saving good. It may have some peripheral good, but it does no saving good. We should imitate the Thessalonians of whom it is said in 1 Thess 2.13, when you received the word of God, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but as it actually is, the word of God which is at work in you who believe. So we must first believe that the scriptures are God's word, not just men's. Because that means they will be spiritually profitable to us. But that is not enough. We have to accept the word and for it to be effective in us, it has to actually be at work in us uh, through faith. The Spirit and the Word are not at work unto eternal life in unbelievers, but they are at work always successfully in believers. Question six. Will a lack of receiving the Word in love Hinder our profiting. Wow, yes. <laughs> because if we don't receive the word in love, it shows that our faith is either weak or false. Anyone can say they have faith. But saving faith is always active in love. And so, here's one more way in which that can be applied in our lives. It applies to the, to the hearing of the word. Faith and love are inseparable graces. We know this because true faith always works, James 2, and its working is by love, Galatians 5, 6. Faith expresses itself through love. So if we receive the word in genuine faith, in saving faith, in spirit-wrought faith, then our reception of the word will also involve a response of love. This is why we're always concerned when someone seems 
to nod in agreement with the word of God, but their life never seems to change. There's something very wrong there. Maybe they're not a true Christian. Maybe there are, but there are some serious hindrances. <laughs> true faith toward God's word demonstrates itself in love both to the word and to and to the working out of that word to men. Question seven, another obvious question, should we treasure what we hear? Yes, of course. As Vincent, the London catechist from the 1660s said it this way, we should make our hearts and memories storehouses of this heavenly treasure. You should prize the word of God. You should delight in the word of God. You should long for the word of God. You should be thankful that this great treasure can be yours. And it can be yours. Again, going to Psalm 119 tells us a number of things we can do to internalize it, to treasure it. We can memorize it. Verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart. We can meditate on it. Verse 15, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. We can speak of it. Verse 13, with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. And will all of this help us gain heaven? Yes, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, we must not forget, we must hold in our memory. And to do so leads us to salvation. Well, then finally, and, and something we must never forget that we have touched on, but we should point out, is it required that we practice what we hear? Do we need to practice what we preach? Yes. We must conduct ourselves, as Paul says, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, Philippians 1.27. Why? Because only a living faith, only fruitful lives demonstrate coming salvation. James 1, 22 and through 25 sums up both this last point and this one. It says this, don't merely listen to the word. To do that is to deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Oh, don't you just hate James? He's so straightforward and plain, it's really hard to misunderstand him. It's really hard to twist his words into something that makes our lives a lot more comfortable. Don't just listen to the word. If you do that, you're deceiving yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what's he look, what he looks like. But the man who looks intently, oh, see, there's a man who's attending to the word with diligence, right? But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, right? So there's an intent listening. There's a treasuring. There's a living according to that treasure. He will be blessed in what he does. He will be saved. He will be rich in the rewards of God.
So be a rememberer of the word of God and a doer of the word of God. Because that's when we know that the word is effective in our lives. Again, unto salvation. All these points teach us that an outward performance of our duty isn't satisfying to God or spiritually beneficial to us. But neither is a mere religious observance. Neither is mere bodily attendance to God's word. We have to use his word spiritually. Our hearts have to be fully engaged and then our lives have to respond to it in obedience. Only then are we blessed. 